It goes without saying that this podcast contains spoilers. If you value ignorance in your reading and watching experience, maybe come back to this show after you've read and watched the featured material. But let's be honest, if you don't know already, he sees dead people. Welcome to Author's Intent. Hufflepuffs. This is Author's Intent. I am your host, Dixie Lee, and I have the hiccups, so if I hiccup during this, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to stop it for like the last 20 minutes, and uh, it I haven't hiccuped since I started recording this, but it will probably happen, so sorry in advance. A couple notes up at the top of the episode. We are in episode two of Author's Intent, going through Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We will be covering chapter two and the scenes from the movie, which start at about four minutes in. This week, I do not have a guest host, and uh, sorry, it's just me. You're gonna have to listen to my not really sultry voice. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's just me. Sorry. Maybe in a few weeks we'll have another guest host on, but we'll see. So this week we are actually going to start with talking about the movie instead of the book. Last week we started with the book because the first half of chapter one is not in the movie. So we're going to flip it around this week and we're going to talk about the movie first. As you guys know, if you've listened to episode one, I totally messed up in recording episode one and like I said we were moving and everything was just everywhere and I couldn't find my notes and I was doing most of this based on memory. Uh, This week I have my notes in front of me so I promise we will only be covering chapter two not chapter one and chapter two like I lied in the first episode just chapter two and then we're going to start with uh, the first scene with Harry as a kid in it so that's like four minutes into the into the movie so right at the top getting into the second scene in the movie called the vanishing glass uh, I want to talk about some of our characters that we see in this episode so we have one Daniel Radcliffe who plays Harry Potter we have Richard Griffiths who plays Uncle Vernon We have Fiona Shaw, who plays Aunt Petunia, and we have Harry Melling, who plays Dudley Dursley. So we had talked about uh, Fiona Shaw, Richard Griffiths, and Harry Melling in the last episode, but we didn't actually see them in the first scene of the movie. So going into the first time that you see these characters, they are portrayed pretty stinking well. Like Richard Griffiths looks and plays Uncle Vernon so perfectly. Just this 
big hunkin' man, like big red face, like he's so perfect for Uncle Vernon. Um, and then Fiona Shaw, like I said in last week's episode, she is a fantastic Aunt Petunia, except for her hair color, which I understand that these kind of things need to be made in advance and uh, they're not going to worry about little things like the one character that's in the movie for like three minutes not having the right hair color which is totally fine but it would have definitely been the icing on the cake and we also see that uh Dudley Dursley he is a brunette pretty dark hair um in the book he is blonde he has blonde blonde hair like his mom uh but other than that he is perfect I find it really funny that uh, the kid who plays Dudley Dursley's name is actually Harry. So that makes a scene later on in the movie really funny when Hagrid says something about how uh, how big Harry got. And Harry Melling's character says, I'm not Harry. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you are, dude. A theme that we miss in all of the movies, but starting specifically in The Sorcerer's Stone, is... Harry is a pretty sarcastic kid. A lot of the time you miss out on some of the pretty funny comments he makes under his breath in the books. And this brings us to chapter two and the next scene in the movie. We cut to Harry getting woken up by his Aunt Petunia. We also see that he is sleeping in a cupboard under the stairs, despite the fact that the Dursleys own a four-bedroom house, which means the dirt... Uh, Petunia and Uncle Vernon sleep in one room. They have a guest bedroom. And then Dudley has two bedrooms. So they really love Harry. You know what I mean? This scene plays out pretty accurately, barring only a few comments made by Harry under his breath. Now, one thing that I find extremely disappointing about the move, all the movies, not just not just this one and not just this scene, is one of the most important details of Harry's appearance. And that is his eyes are blue in the movie and his eyes are supposed to be green and usually i wouldn't put up a big fuss about it like aunt Fio or aunt uh petunia's hair fiona shaw she's not in the movie very often but a big plot point of all of the show all of the movies and all of the books is that harry's eyes are green and they look like his mom's eyes and uh yeah, it's a little disappointing to see blue eyes on this very, 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 very specific character trait. Now, I did read recently that young Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter, he is actually allergic to the colored contacts that he was going to wear for the movies. And it turns out he's actually also allergic to the frames that they used for his glasses which is just like awesome okay so like the two defining features of harry potter you can't really use because the kid's allergic i think that they made the right decision with daniel radcliffe he is such a fantastic harry potter although if these books were called daniel radcliffe and the sorcerer's stone voldemort could just like throw a peanut at daniel radcliffe and he'd be dead so i guess it's good that it's harry potter and not Dana Radcliffe. Anyway, his eyes are not green. Um, and there's there's a lot of talk and comments about this throughout the series. It's not just this one thing. Every character that you meet once he enters the wizarding world knows his parents and knows specifically what Lily and James looked like. And almost every single person that knew Lily 
makes the comment to Harry, your eyes are just like your mother's. It's just, it's a big plot point to to miss and kind of disappointing, but the movies are made. I can't do anything about it. So here we are. Now, before I give any like hate mail or whatever, not like I would get hate mail because I'm such a fantastic person, but to to help you understand why this is such a big deal, imagine that the Lord of the Rings, the one ring, when they made the movies, it was a bracelet. Like that's how big of a of a difference this is. <laughs> like that's such a big thing to forget about and such a big thing to miss in the movies. And that's a huge plot point. It also echoes to the color of the curse that was used on Harry to try to kill him. The killing curse is actually a bright green light and man, it's just, it's just rough. And that's okay though, I guess. It's already made. I can't do anything about it. We are now at Harry waking up to Aunt Petunia banging on the cupboard door. We see Harry get up and turn on his light and there's, you know, little toy soldiers in in the shelving unit of the cupboard and he puts on his glasses and we see his blue eyes and they're not green and I'm still upset about it. And then we hear something upstairs in the movie and it turns out to be Dudley and he starts running down the stairs and Dudley starts jumping on the stairs above the cupboard to wake up Harry and Harry gets covered in all this dust coming down from the stairs. Dudley runs down the stairs and pushes Harry back into the cabinet as Harry is trying to leave the cabinet and Dudley runs into the kitchen and then we see Harry emerge from the cupboard under the stairs rubbing his head because he clearly hit his head or something when Dudley pushed him back into the little tiny room. And then we enter into the kitchen where we hear Aunt Petunia put a pan on the on the stove and she tells Harry to not burn the bacon because she wants everything to be perfect for her Duddy's little birthday. Um, and Aunt Petunia covers Dudley's eyes and walks over to the kitchen table where Uncle Vernon is sitting and reveals all 36 of Dudley's toys and presents and all of that jazz to which he exclaims 36 well last year I had 37 and Fiona Shaw makes a decision to buy him two new presents at the zoo the next scene that we the next part of this scene that we see is the family walking out of the out of the house getting ready to get into the car. Dudley gets in the car. Fiona Shaw gets in the car. Before Harry has a chance to get into the car, Uncle Vernon stops him and says, no funny business. Like, don't do anything or you will not eat for a week. To which Harry says, what would I do? <laughs> so they all get, get in the car and we are headed off to the zoo. And the first part of this scene that you see at the zoo is them actually walking into the reptile house. And a cool thing about this scene, I don't know if it was planned or if it just happened this way, but they're walking into the reptile house and as they're walking in, a group of students is walking out of the reptile house and they're actually wearing the school colors for Slytherin House at Hogwarts, which is just pretty funny. So we get into this zoo, we get into the reptile enclosure and we focus in on the family looking at this one particular snake and it is a Burmese python. And this part, I love this part of the scene because I love how Dudley is like, the, the snake's not moving, make it move. And Uncle Vernon politely taps on the, on the glass of the enclosure and just says, 
move and then Dudley like bangs on the glass and you can see Richard Griffith's face he's like oh my god my kid's gonna break this glass and then they they decide you know this is too boring so I guess we're gonna go look at something else and of course Harry stays by that snake and he's sitting there and he's just basically he's talking to himself but also to the snake you know how you talk to inanimate objects sometimes he was just doing this with a snake. I talked to my cats, so I, I don't think it's that weird. Anyway, so he starts talking to the snake and he's saying stuff like, wow, it's it really must suck to be stuck in there with all these people pressing their noses in on you. And then we see the snake lift up its head and we realize that it it understands what Harry is saying. And Harry realizes this as it's happening. And Harry asks, can you understand me? And we see the snake shake its head yes. And then Harry goes into a line of questioning. And he makes a comment about how he's never talked to a snake before. But that's cool. Um, he asks the snake uh, if it liked living in Burma. To which the snake turns to the sign outside of the enclosure, which says bread in captivity. At this point... Dudley realizes that the snake is interacting with Harry and freaks out and comes running over to the enclosure to look at the snake as it's moving. But okay, let's let's be clear. Snakes moving is not like a super cool thing. It might just be me. I don't like snakes very much, but there are so many other interesting animals in the zoo. Why are you so focused on this snake? So the snake starts moving and Harry Melling runs over and pushes Harry out of the way to look at the snake and Harry is sitting on the ground just glaring daggers at Dudley and at this point the reason why this chapter is called the vanishing glass the glass vanishes and we see Harry Melling who plays Dudley fall into the enclosure and get just totally drenched in this little water feature inside of the enclosure and the snake climbs over the rest of the enclosure and makes its way out of it and stops in front of Harry and says thanks and then leaves leaves the zoo like he's gonna go swim to Burma now that it's just I love in this scene watching all of these people that are in the zoo freaking out with this snake leaving it's just such a funny scene so Snake leaves, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia make their way over to the enclosure, and Dudley gets up to get out of the enclosure, and he realizes that the glass has reappeared, <laughs> and Fiona Shaw's face when she sees Dudley inside of the enclosure is just pure gold. It is so funny. Fiona Shaw and Richard Griffiths are such fantastic actors. <laughs> like, they played this scene so stinking well but Dudley's stuck in the enclosure uh we see Harry laughing at Dudley and Uncle Vernon turning to him with an angry scowl and the next part of the scene is them actually walking inside of the house Dudley of course has a blanket over him although it's summertime and there's no way he's still wet but whatever summertime they walk into the house Dudley has this blanket and he's shivering and and you know whimpering and Fiona Shaw's you know coddling him and walks in and Harry walks in and he stands close to the door of the cupboard and Uncle Vernon walks in and closes the door and grabs Harry by the hair and he says you know no food for a week and I thought I told you no funny business and then Harry says 
One minute the glass was there and then it was gone. It was like magic. And Richard Griffith says, there's no such thing as magic and slams him into the cupboard, closes the door and slides the grate closed. And that is the end of that scene. All in all, this is relatively accurate. There's a lot of stuff that's not in this scene, but it's also a lot of stuff that's not necessarily important for the plot. The only thing, like I said before, that is disappointing is the color of Harry's eyes and maybe the color of Fiona Shaw's hair. But other than that, this scene is very, very, very accurate. Going into chapter two of the book in comparison to the scene in the movie, like I said, they played the main plot points of the book very, very well. In the movie, there's a lot of stuff that they covered. They hit all of the major plot points and the only real thing that kind of sucks about the entire series in the movies is that Harry's eyes are blue and not green. But other than that, this was played very, very well. Uh, so chapter two, The Vanishing Glass, we see a really ridiculous looking picture of Dudley at the top of the page um, with all of his presents. It's pretty funny. I love how they depicted all of the characters in the books uh, for the chapters and stuff like that. It's just the artwork is fantastic. So the the scene honestly starts out pretty much the same. There's a lot of stuff that you miss in the book when you only watch the movie. Um, and it's mostly just like setting and like the general look and feel of a thing and like internal thoughts from characters. But the the chapter starts with them describing the Dursleys and how the Dursleys look and act almost exactly the same as they did as as they did in chapter one, the beginning of chapter one, uh, they talk about how the only real change that you could see in the house and like the features of the house is that the pictures have actually aged well and that you see Dudley in these photos at different ages. And it talks about how you only see pictures of Dudley and well, the Dursleys, you only see the three of them. And based on this, you would never assume that there was another child living in the house like you would never assume that Harry lived there because there's no photo evidence of it and this is where Aunt Petunia goes to wake up Harry and it I mean it plays out almost exactly like the movie she just yells at him get up get up um, and Harry wakes up to what he describes as screeching which is just funny it's pretty accurate she's she's kind of bird-like Screeching is a very good word for that. Um, and she's she wakes him up and tells him, like, you need to come out into the kitchen and you need to make breakfast for Dudley's birthday and don't burn anything. And this is one of those moments uh, where 
he doesn't Harry doesn't say anything he groans um but it's just another cue into Harry's personality and his attitude he's pretty sarcastic and he's pretty funny but you don't really see that very well in the movies so Harry of course is not happy that it's Dudley's birthday who would be really Dudley is kind of a jerk in this chapter Harry talks about how Dudley is big and scary um and he's pretty chunky and they go to they went to the same public school together and because Dudley is such a big guy and a scary guy Harry has no friends at public school he got beat up all the time Dudley is always picking on him and pushing him and punching him and this is classic Dudley and we talk about for the first time Harry's appearance um it talks about how he was pretty small and skinny for his age um and they he thinks that it's maybe because he lived in a cupboard under the stairs but he looks even smaller and skinnier than he really was because he's always wearing Dudley's hand-me-downs which Dudley we know is not a small person so all of Harry's clothes are oversized and baggy a big feature of course is his green eyes and his round glasses that are always broken from Dudley punching him in the face. And then another another really important characteristic of Harry is that he has such crazy hair and his hair is dark and it's just like a mess all the time. A big thing we see in the books frequently is people telling Harry to go brush his hair and they try and it just it just, it's just that. It just goes back that way. And of course, the other more important feature of Harry is, of course, his lightning bolt scar, which we talked about in episode one. It was a scar formed by Lord Voldemort when he tried to kill Harry. Uh, Harry, of course, at this point, he is 10, turning 11, and uh, he doesn't know anything about witches and wizards. He honestly doesn't even know anything about his parents. He knows that they died in a car crash and apparently that he got that scar in the car crash. Uh, it talks about in this chapter how he tries to bring memories back of them because he would have been about a year old when his parents had died, but he has no memories of it. And it says that he only really ever has a memory of a flash of green which we know as the killing curse that actually killed his parents and then also was used on Harry. An important rule in the Dursley household is not to ask questions specifically for Harry. I'm sure Dudley could ask a ton of questions and it would never be a problem, but Harry asking questions is a no-go. They don't want to talk about Harry. They don't want to talk to Harry. They don't want to answer questions about Harry's early, early, early childhood with his parents. And they just are not interested in talking about Lily and James at all. So uh, we enter the kitchen. Harry is frying up some eggs for Dudley's breakfast. Dudley, of course, looks a ton like Uncle Vernon. Um, they talk about how he's literally copy paste Vernon with this flat, blonde hair laying over his fat head. It says here, Aunt Petunia often said that Dudley looked like a baby angel. Harry often said that Dudley looked like a pig in a wig, which this is foreshadowing. I'm not going to give it away though, but it's foreshadowing. So Harry puts out the breakfast. Meanwhile, Dudley is counting his presents. And this is where we see that scene that we see in the movie. He says 36. That's two less than last year. Um, and Aunt Petunia says, 
well, you haven't counted your Aunt Marge present. See, it's under the big one for mommy and daddy. And Dudley says, okay, so that's 37. That's still less. Um, And this is when Aunt Petunia makes the decision to buy him two more presents. And we see just how dim Dudley is because the next part of this chapter is him being like, well, if I have 37 and you're going to buy me two more presents, that means I'll have... And it's just dot, 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 dot. And Aunt Petunia says, 39. <laughs> and it's, it's just so funny. I just, I just love how, how J.K. Rowling wrote these characters. And we see Uncle Vernon laughing and making a joke about how Dudley just wants his money's worth. And this is kind of where the, the book is different from the movie. So at this moment, the phone rings um, and we see Aunt Petunia go to the phone and it turns out that the person that was going to watch Harry while the Dursleys were out at the zoo is unable to because she broke her leg. And this person that was going to watch Harry is none other than Mrs. Fig. We find out later, much, much later, Harry doesn't know this. The Dursleys don't know this. The only person that knows knows this is obviously Mrs. Fig and then, of course, Dumbledore. But Mrs. Fig is a squib. So if you're not a Harry Potter person, you don't really understand the lingo. So Muggle is a is a human born without magic from non-magical parents. A squib is kind of the opposite. So a squib is a person born without magic from magical parents or a magical parent. So Mrs. Fig, we'll find out much later in the series, is a squib and she was placed in this area by Dumbledore to keep an eye on Harry. I love how Harry talks about Mrs. Fig in the book and how she's just a weird lady. Harry hated going over there. The whole house smells like cabbage and Mrs. Fig made him look at photographs of all the cats she'd ever owned, which is just so funny. But so Mrs. Fig breaks her leg so she can't watch Harry while they're going out. Um, So Aunt Petunia suggests, well, maybe we should call Marge, which we know Marge is Vernon's sister. And I, I love this because she suggests or Uncle Vernon suggests Marge and Aunt Petunia's like, don't don't be silly, Vernon. She hates the boy. And they're talking about this. They're talking about all of this in front of Harry like he's not even there. Um, so they go back and forth talking about people that might be able to watch Harry and basically come to the conclusion like there's no one. There's no one to watch him. And at this point, Harry suggests that he just stays home by himself and and uh, Aunt Petunia says and come back and find the house in ruins and Harry says I won't blow up the house which this these are the kind of comments that I really really miss in the movies and then Aunt Petunia says I suppose we could take him to the zoo and of course Dudley begins crying because he doesn't want Harry to come because you know He's a little brat, but he's not really crying. He it says in the book that he learned at a young age that he could pretend to cry and get whatever he wanted from his mother. So Aunt Petunia, of course, is like, I'm so sorry, Dudley, but we have to we have to take take him. And at this point, the doorbell rings and immediately Dudley stops crying and Dudley's friend, Pierce Polkis comes in and we find out that Pierce is actually going to the zoo with the Dursleys. Um, and we and we learn Pierce is one of Dudley's 
best friends and also one of the culprits in holding people down while Dudley beat them up, including Harry, of course. And then we see about a half an hour later, Harry is in the car with Pierce and with Dudley and Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon, and they are on their way to the zoo. But before, so just like the movie, before they get into the car, Uncle Vernon pulls Harry aside and says, I'm warning you, any funny business at all, and you'll be in that cupboard from now until Christmas. And Harry says, I won't do anything, honestly. And this is where we learn some funny stuff about Harry. So we are learning this almost from the perspective of Harry, where he's just confused about about why these weird things happen all the time. And uh, they make a list of some funny stuff that happens. So it comes back to Harry's hair. Um, Aunt Petunia tried cutting Harry's hair with the kitchen scissors at one point, and she was trying to make it so that his hair laid down flat over his face so that his hair would hide his scar. And I'm sure Harry looked ridiculous. But the next morning, his hair had grown back exactly the way it was before his hair got cut. Another time that something weird happens, uh, as we know, Harry uses all of Dudley's old clothes. Aunt Petunia was trying to get Harry into this ugly old sweater of Dudley's, and every time she tried to put it over Harry's head, it shrunk more and more, which is just, that's just so good. Another time we see Harry got in trouble for being on the roof of the kitchens at the school that they went to. Dudley and his gang were chasing Harry and then all of a sudden Harry was on the roof. And we see in the chapter Harry telling himself nothing's gonna happen. I'm gonna be fine. And this is the first time Harry has ever gone to the zoo in his entire life and he's like I really I really want to go. So while they're driving to the zoo the zoo uh Uncle Vernon is complaining to Aunt Petunia about a bunch of stuff and he was talking about motorcycles. And this is where we see Harry mention, I had a dream about a motorcycle last night. And Harry mentions it was flying. And Uncle Vernon almost crashes the car and he yells, motorcycles don't fly. Dudley and Piers, of course, are laughing and Harry is like, I know they don't fly. It was only a dream. By this time, they get to the zoo, relatively busy at the zoo because it's a Saturday. We see that the Dursleys are, you know, of course, showing favoritism. They're buying Pierce and Dudley chocolates and candies and stuff like that at the zoo. And of course, Harry doesn't get anything. So we see that they spend a little time in the morning at the zoo and they eat lunch at the zoo. And then after lunch, they go to the reptile house. And Harry particularly liked this building. And this plays out relatively similar to the movie, except we have Pierce in the scene as well. Dudley's telling his father, make it move. And Uncle Vernon taps on the glass and it doesn't do anything and Dudley says it's boring and him and Pierce and the Dursleys move away and this is when Harry moves in front of the tank and looks at the snake. Uh, he wouldn't, it says he wouldn't have been surprised if it, if it had died of boredom itself. The snake actually opens its eyes before Harry says anything and it says in the book that it winked. Uh, Harry is confused. Snakes don't wink. It's just, it's similar to how Uncle Vernon was like, cats don't talk or cats don't read, you know, that kind of thing. And we see the the snake is a lot more interactive in, in the book than it is in the movie. So we, before Harry says a word, the snake is looking up at Harry and quote unquote winking. And 
Then it jerks its head towards the Dursleys as if to say, I get that all the time. And Harry just starts talking to the snake. It says it must be really annoying. He do- he isn't surprised that he can talk to a snake, which is really funny. Harry, of course, asks where you're from. And this is this is one of the big differences in the book and the movie. The snake jabs its head towards the sign outside of the enclosure. And we learn that it is a boa constrictor from Brazil. So in the movie, they used a Burmese python. And of course, this plays out the same. Was it nice there? Did you like living there? And the snake jabbed its tail towards the sign again. And Harry sees that it was bred in captivity. So it's never been to Brazil. And at this point, Pierce is actually the person that runs over and pushes Harry out of the way and yells for Dudley and the Dursleys to come over and look at the snake. And Dudley, of course, punches Harry as he makes his way over and Pierce and Dudley are leaning right up close to the glass. And the next thing we know, the glass disappears. And another difference from the movie, they don't actually fall into the enclosure. The glass just disappears and they gasp and they back up. And then we see the snake uncoil itself rapidly and slither out onto the floor. People throughout the reptile house are screaming and running. And as the snake slides past Harry, Harry is convinced that he heard the snake say, Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo. The, we see the keeper of the reptile house just like in shock. And we learn that not only was Dudley and Pierce witness to the glass disappearing, but the, the keeper of the reptile house saw the glass disappear. And we see the keeper say, but the glass, where did the glass go? Um, we see that the zoo director makes Aunt Petunia a cup of really strong tea and try to get the story from Pierce and Dudley and Harry. As they go throughout this little interview, the story gets more and more dramatic to the point of the snake almost biting Pierce's leg off and Dudley almost getting constricted by the snake. Of course, none of this happened. And then Pierce's family comes to pick him up from home and he, Uncle Vernon waits until Pierce is out of the house before he freaks out at Harry and he just tells him to go to the cupboard and stay in there and he gets no meals. So the end of this chapter is made to play out a very specific point. Harry is alone. Harry has no friends. He doesn't even really have family, even though he lives with the Dursleys. And a big, a big thing for Harry is that he, he's like longing for companionship. He's longing for friendship. He's longing for that, that family uh, and he's not getting it from, he's not getting it from the Dursleys or anybody at school or anything like that. And on top of that, the added pain of not knowing what his parents looked like, not knowing anything about his parents. And it's just, it's a pretty hard life. And they definitely mistreat. If this was a real story, no doubt, like child services would have been called like forever ago. But, uh, this is this is fiction so we do what we want we put kids in cupboards and it's fine another another quick point before we close out this episode this we see harry talking about some other weird things that have happened um we see that when harry has been out with aunt petunia and dudley shopping and doing stuff out on the town uh 
Harry has actually been approached by very strange people. And we learn Daedalus Diggle is actually one of these people that he meets and shakes hands with. And this is all stuff that you just really don't see in the movie. I think that overall, the comparison between the book and the movie uh, is done pretty well. The main plot points are covered. The main scenes, the main setting, everything is covered very well. The characters are portrayed really well, except for some relatively minor things. And then, of course, some rather large things like Harry's eye color. But it could have been done a lot worse and it wasn't. And one thing that I don't really get to talk about in the podcast is also the sound design for the movies and because copyright and I don't want to get sued. But the sound design, uh, the music, everyone knows the music. The Harry Potter soundtrack is just immaculate and it's so whimsical and it's so perfect. I really, really love how they portrayed the world of Harry Potter on the screen. Next week, we will be covering chapter three, which is the letters from no one. As always, thanks to Louis Zong for the use of his song, Melody Meadows, off of his album, Levels. All right, thank you guys. Now, pip pip off to bed. (laughs) 